earth. A land containing that which is seen and that which is unseen. Jesus, why did you leave us? To whose benefit was it that you passed on to the unseen? Why not bring yourself down from the cross? Why not stay? The world needs its king. After you left, we built monuments in your name. Crowds of us gathered in your memory. You planted the seed. We began to harvest. Make no mistake, Lord. Earth has not forgotten the things it has seen. But it's been 2,000 years now. And we ask ourselves, why did you leave? How are we to submit to an unseen king? I would love for us to read in the book of John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. And if you want to jot down that scripture, we're going to be coming back to it. And I've got my notes but I've promised myself I'm going to move no faster than our understanding and comprehension. So that means that for you to get the foundational truth of God, you've got to come back next week. Otherwise, you miss the congruence and the interlink because the Holy Spirit is the biggest gift that God has given us as believers. It is the most beautiful privilege we have. Now, in the book of John 16, verse 7, I'm going to encourage us to read it out loud together. Come on, make, make, me, make me happy this morning. It says, this is the words of Jesus. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Come on. It is to your advantage that I go away. Just say that again. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. When he refers to the helper, I want you to write down the word, the Holy Spirit. Now, what is so interesting, since the beginning of time, uh, well, as a matter of fact, God lived in the infinite, infinite of the foreverness of eternity. But from the beginning when God begins to speak to us through Scripture, and I want you to know as I stand here, I want to declare to you, the moment we no longer regard the Word of God as Scripture, we have nowhere to go but the empty logic of wise words and empty hearts. Scripture, even the parts we don't understand, is fun fundamental, and we, we need to understand it is not just black letters on white pages, and for some of you, the words of Jesus is in red, but the Bible says the words of God that comes into our heart becomes alive because it is the breath of God coming alive on the inside of us, 
Now, God has always had a desire to be with his image makers. I would write that down. God is not a God that want to hide from those he has made. And as I'm standing here, I want you to know as your pastor, I want to guide you. The one thing that we have got to be careful, that we get so involved with the policies and the opinions of what's going on in the world, instead of displaying the empathy and the heart of God for all of creation. When we look at the, the battle going on in Israel and Palestine, what is more important is that we carry the empathy and the heart of God for the Palestinians and for the Jewish people more than what we have an opinion on what they should and should not do. We should pray that God would bring peace around the globe because when anyone is suffering, we are all suffering as the image bearers of God. Now in the Old Testament, we see that God dwelled in a man-made tent called the tabernacle. The very presence of God was to be found in that tabernacle. And when they built the temple, God, His presence rested in a place called the Holy of Holies. And there was this big veil that separated ordinary people from experiencing the presence of God. Now you go like, how exclusive is God? Well, I want you to know that that was what God was bringing, but that was not what God was intending. Because God says, I want to be with my children. Can I say this to you? God's biggest desire is to be with every single one of you personally. He is a father he wants to reveal himself to you. He's not a God that wants to hide from us. Because the Bible says, even when Adam and Eve sinned, God came looking for them. You know, the biggest lie that the enemy tells you is that every time you sin, God departs from you. It's a lie. God is always in pursuit of those who carries his image. Therefore, let us not judge people. Let's not judge God's action towards people that you think is misaligned because God came looking for me and God came looking for you. God wants to be with us. And the Bible speaks in the New Testament our favorite verse, and it goes like this. Come on, you know it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, come on, that He gave His only Son. Now, what is so significant about this, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, and then verse 14, says these words. Before anything else existed, there was Christ. There was Jesus. Think about it. When before anything existed, there was God and there was Jesus. Jesus has always been alive and himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing existed that he didn't make. Verse 14, and Christ, that is Jesus, became a human being and lived here on earth among us and was full of loving forgiveness and truth. Come on, just say loving forgiveness and truth. 
Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing when you and I walk in this world with loving forgiveness and truth? Wouldn't it be beautiful when we, we are the very manifestation of the loving kindness of heaven? You know, one of the, the things that our American culture, and I have been here now 22 years, I'm proud to be American and I'm yet to make my first citizens arrest. I, the one thing that I think will be such a, a climatic resistance in our culture is when we show kindness wherever we go and not feel justified to say what we want to say, when we say it, and how we say it. Kindness is such an act, a redeeming act of a God that is among us. But the Bible says, Jesus came to be among his people. That means God finally came to be among his people. And I love that the very name that he was named in Matthew chapter 122. We're going to read it out loud. Write that down. It's so, so important. Come on, let's all read it together. Come on, Greece Campus Online. Listen, the virgin shall conceive a child. She shall give birth to a son. Come on now. And he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Oh, isn't that phenomenal? You've got to catch that revelation that when he came, his very name suggested why he came. Come on, just say it. God with me. Come on, say it out loud. God with me. I want you to know when you wake up on a Monday morning, the first thing that you, you should come and say out loud, God, thank you this morning that you are Emmanuel, God with me. God of my struggles, God of my joy, God of my failing, God of my drifting, God of my believing, God of my unbelieving, God in my opinion, God in my surrender. He is God that is with all of us. Not just with some churches, some people. God is with us in this world. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus grew and increased in favor with God and man. But here comes an important part. The moment Jesus was baptized. Remember, Jesus came to John. Before Jesus came to John, no miracles, no signs, no wonders. He was mere man. And the Bible says something so important, and I would love for you to write the scripture down and take it home and go read it again and again and again and again and again, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what happened in this morning, this moment. I would love for us to read it out loud. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Are you ready to read it out loud? Yeah, come on. Here we go. It says, and as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Come on. And then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted. Come on, say shouted. Come on, let me hear you shout, shouted. Come on, Greece campus, everybody, one more time. 
In other words, God was not discreet about what he was about to say. He was not ashamed. He was not tentative. And the voice of God shouted from the sky saying, This is my son, the beloved. My greatest delight is in him. Now, two significant things happened in this moment. When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Now, you've got to understand the very first thing that I want you to see is that the voice of God shouted when the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus. He shouted, this is my son. It is like he placed the seal of heaven on an ordinary human being. He didn't say he's just another human. He says, that is my son, and I take great delight. Now, we don't understand the word seal. My, my daughter, Chloe, she is artistic. She's buying everything that has ever existed. And last night I said to a baby, I have seen, you've got one of those wax things with a stamp. And when you send a letter, you don't send a letter. You go all the way. You send that stampy thingy letter to people. Now, what is so interesting about when kings would send a decree or a letter, they would seal it and put their signet ring on the letter, which means that the content of what's in that is verified and validated to come from the authority of the king. In other words, the seal tells you the hands of the one who sealed it has written it. In other words, when Jesus was sealed with the very seal of God, God, almighty creator of heaven and earth, literally say, that one carries my approval. He is my son, and I take great delight in him. Now I want you to hold on to that. But the second thing that happened is when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, he supernaturally empowered him to do and be a conduit for the activity of God on the earth. Before this moment, Jesus was ordinary human being, and he said these words in John 15, verse 9. Come on, let's read this together. John 15, verse 9. It says this, Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, very truly, I tell you, come on, the Son can do nothing by Himself. Hey, Father's house, beautiful church family, without the gift of the Holy Spirit, we cannot be conduits for the activity of heaven on the earth. I want you to look at me. The biggest tragedy is when we don't recognize and realize that God has called us to Himself to be the extension of the supernatural activity of heaven on the earth. 
God, when he saves us and he mocks us, it's not to just live the American life. It's to be the very citizens of heaven that is mocked with a supernatural presence of the living God that lives in a way that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus could not do a single miracle but the Bible says after he was baptized, Luke 4 verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, full of the Holy Spirit power. Soon he became well known throughout the region. After the Holy Spirit came upon him, he went to Canaan. And that's where the first miracle sign and wonder happened. Now this is very important because the disciples became very aware that Jesus was normal, a human being just like them. But there was something significant about his life since the Holy Spirit was resting on him and not on all of them yet. They realized wherever Jesus went, he was the conduit through which God would do the very miracle that God seeks to do on the earth. Jesus says, every time you see these signs and wonders, it is a sign that heaven has come close to earth. The kingdom of God has come near to us. And remember, the Lord's prayer says, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as is in heaven. And listen, family, we can pray that prayer until the end of time. But if we think that God is going to do it in spite of us, rather understanding that God wants to do that in concert with his sons and daughters, that the activity of God in your home is dependent on God finding a person that surrendered and filled with the power of His Holy Spirit. Whenever you say, God, would you break through? The question is, God, use me to break through in hard places by the Holy Spirit that you have given to us as believers. Now, the other thing that the, the, the disciples realized, that prayer was the arena where the Holy Spirit, God, and man coexisted, and out of prayer, believers became the very carriers of the activity of God. Now, let me look in this camera. You know I love you, right? Now, I'm going to wait for this camera. Wait for this camera, that camera, that camera. Where the red light is, that's where you go. I'm looking at this camera, and I want to say this. I think one of the biggest entrapments of the devil is to keep us as believers cold-hearted towards prayer, apathetic towards prayer. That is why prayer is so hard, because between you wanting to pray and you committing to pray and actually praying stands so much evil distraction because the enemy knows once you begin to pray, he's going to lose ground in your life. He's going to lose authority in your life. He's going to hold, lose the hold over your life. Oppression and depression is going to get loosened from you. Entrapments is going to get loosened from you. Listen, and I want you to know that the only way that we can remain firmly planted 
grounded in God is if we stay in the arena of prayer and the activity of God that flows and full through our life. Can I get an amen here this morning? Come on, COVID is over. COVID is over. Now, Jesus informed his disciples one day because they've been watching him and they've been checking this out and they love what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus one day said to them these words, John 14, verse 12. Come on, let's read it together. I'm running out of time and I want to get to three more places. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me, come on, will be able to do what I've done. Either the scripture is not there or you're playing me. Which is it? Oh, thank God you're not playing me. I thought you're playing me. <laughs> so Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will be able to do what I've done. But they will do even greater things because I will return to the Father. Father Sales, let me just look at you. Have you ever considered that when Jesus says, I'm going to go, it was to advantage because the activity of God was limited to one person on the earth. And Jesus knows that God has a bigger plan that he's going to save and redeem through the cross. And everyone who puts their trust in the cross and surrender to the Lordship of Christ will become as potent as a conduit as Jesus was. And the activity of God is not centered in one place. It is all over the globe. And God can begin to do supernatural things through ordinary lives. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will send you another helper, the spirit of truth, whom you will remain constantly with you. Verse 17 says, the world does not recognize the spirit of truth because it does not know the spirit and is unable to receive him. But you know the spirit because he lives on the inside of you. That is a concept that was never even imagined because God lived in a temple. God lived in a tent. Now, Jesus says, you will become the temple and the tent where the Spirit of God is going to abide. Listen, if that concept becomes a revelation to your heart that God is no longer to be found in church buildings, uh, you, you don't come and experience God in the building. You are the carrier that brings the presence of God into the building. That, that is why it's so important to understand when we worship, when you worship, something flows from you. The thing that you feel in the room comes from those who arrive. It is the presence of God that is released on the inside of us. And, and that's what makes the Spirit of God so evident when we realize we are the temples that carries the presence of God. Now, Jesus says this, I will not abandon you like orphans. Oh, I love this. You know what God was saying? He's saying in the Old Testament, you felt like orphans when you were not near the tent or near the temple. You felt like orphans. The further you walk away from the temple, the more you felt abandoned by his abiding presence. 
He says, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You've been with me all this time. Every day, you're with me. He says, I will send you a helper, the Holy Spirit that will be with you and live in you. There is not a place that you can go where you can say, God is not with me. There is not a fire you can walk in where he is not with you. There is not a dark valley. Come on, Anaji. There is not a dark valley you can ever walk in where he is not with you. There is no moment of, of fear and anxiety where he is not with you. Listen, in your drifting, he is with you. In your standing, he is with you. In your falling, he is with you. In your believing, he is with you. In your confusion, he's with you. Whatever you are facing, he is with you. Now, if you catch that, oh man, I can feel a preach coming on. No teaching. I can feel a preach coming on. Because every time you say, God's not hearing me. Really? He is in you. He is with you. If the devil tells you, you praying for nothing because God cannot hear what you are saying, you should say, go to hell. Because he is, I meant that literally, devil go to hell. It's not cussing. Don't email me. Come on, just, maybe you should, yeah, just shout it out. Devil, go to hell. If ever you could say this, come on, shout, devil, go to hell. Go to hell. Because Scripture says it is written, he is in me. I'm a temple. How can he not hear me? God, listen, the moment you begin to declare that God is with me, it does something to your soul. You don't feel like a victim. Why should you be? The eternal God is with you. He is in you. He's encompassing your life. David says he goes before me. He's behind me. He is under me. He's above me. His everlasting arms hold me. He directs my footsteps. Oh man, if we catch that revelation, we will no longer want wanna, wanna to bemoan life. Because Jesus had to die to make it possible for God to be with you. Now, I've got 21 seconds. Ha! How is that working out for us? So, so let me land one more thing. Because I'm only halfway through. That's why you've got to come back. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to come back. Come on, you've got to come back. You guys online, you've got to come back. There is something in this room, Greece campus. Shout out to the person next to you. You've got to come back. Because... There are three questions that begs to be answered. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? And what is my relationship and responsiveness to the Holy Spirit? Oh, now I've got minus 26. Does that mean a good thing or a bad thing? I'm just checking. So who's the Holy Spirit? Allow me one, two more minutes, two more minutes. I've got to honor time. Give me a D. I love that. We know the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. Let's try it again. 
I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three and one. How does that work? You see, in this picture of baptism, we see it so beautifully. Here stands the Son. Here comes the Holy Spirit and the Father speaks. Yet, the Father is God. The Son has always been with God and He is God. And the Spirit of God is God. Now, what is so important for you to understand is the relationship between the three. Whenever you find in Scripture, the Father speaks. The Son is the one who does what the Father says. He says, I've come to do the will of my Father. But the Holy Spirit is the supernatural energy and power that makes it possible for the Son to do the work of what the Father says. And I want to say this to you, that you and I, without the gift of the Holy Spirit, is incapable to even obey the Father. It is the Spirit of God that's the activity of God on the inside of us. And that's why we've got to understand before every and anything existed, there was Christ. But I'm going to finish with that. Oh, I'm just going to finish, period, because it's too good where I want to go. Church family, I believe more than ever, as I was studying, I pulled out all my theological books last night. Because so often, we go back to what we remember of things. When I began to read theological writing of who the Holy Spirit is, it, it was like 11 o'clock last night, and I worked hard all week on my message, but I thought, let me just go see the amount of pages that speaks on the character, the person, the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's page upon page upon page upon page. And you see, you know me as the one who stands in the front and speak. If all you know is this dude standing here, and by the way, I swallowed a fat kid in Florida. His name's Barry. Barry ate everything he saw. I picked up 14 pounds in Florida. It's so awesome. All my, my, my clothes have shrunk. One of the two, but I think it's Barry. Um, it's not me. It's not me. If all you know is the me you see here, you don't know me. If all you know of the Holy Spirit is what you remember from 1974, you don't know the Holy Spirit. And He wants you to know Him like He knows you. And the journey that I want to invite you, the journey that your heart will find liberation is when you begin to become hungry to know who He is. I do not like small talk. 
whenever we sit among strangers, I always heave. I go like, what am I going to say? 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 And my wife said, baby, this is how it works. You ask one question, and then from that question, just follow the route. Just ask another. Just ask another. And then back up and say, so how did that happen? You can forever. Listen, I'm the king. After she has schooled me, I know people's story. I can sit for two hours. I can tell you why. Because when you develop a serious curiosity and love for really wanting to know people, nothing will stop you from discovering the people that sits around you, carries the most incredible stories and testimonies that will bless and inspire your life. The Holy Spirit is just that. So I would encourage you to come back next week because we want to know Him because He is the manifestation of God given to us and the work that He wants to do through us is far greater than we can ever imagine. So let's just close right now. And I've got so much more to say. It's so painful. It's the song that says, Who is like you, Lord, in all the earth? Come on, worship team. Come on, Greece campus. Matchless love and beauty endless worth. Nothing. Nothing in this world is satisfied. Jesus, you're the cup that won't Okay, so wait, wait, wait. We're going to sing that again in closing. This is not a song that is, is sitting in an undisturbed place and looking at the lover of your soul that sent his only son that died to remove the separation between you and the presence of God. And here he is this morning. Two more minutes. Just open your hands if that's okay with you. Even if you say, Pastor P, my heart is so dry. I'm so exhausted of religion. I'm so exhausted of opinion. I get it. But still, who is like you, Lord, in all the earth? Come on, Greece campus online. Matchless love and beauty, endless worth. Oh, there is nothing, nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, Jesus, you're the cup that won't run. Come on, everybody. Would you stand with me and sing? Your presence is heaven. Let me encourage you, raise your hands and say, Your presence is ever to me. Say, Your presence is heaven to me, Jesus. Your presence is heaven. The bridge, oh Jesus.
take treasures of my heart and not my soul. In my weakness, you are merciful. Oh, so good. Redeemer of my past and present wrongs. Holder of my future days to come. Let's do the third verse. All my days on earth I will await. Oh. The moment that I see you face to face. Yeah. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, you're the cup that won't go Yeah. Your presence. Your presence. of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the intimacy of knowing your Holy Spirit the gift of the presence of God be with us God may we become a people that says as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs for you God, revive us, your people. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody shouts, Amen. Amen.